Hello, I'm Steve, also known as the Tea Break Knitter on social media. This is my second podcast. If you watch the first, I'm really pleased you've come back again. And you'll also know that I'm building this series of podcasts around a project, a project to knit a feral vest called the Nahani River by a designer called Betts Lampers and sold by Simply Shetland. Last time I talked about how I assess the pattern to see what's in it for the yarn, for the tools I need and for any techniques I need. And then I went on to talk about how I chose the size that I wanted to knit and any modifications I might need to it. And I ended up talking about how I started the gauge swatch. In this podcast, what I want to talk about is what I found out from the gauge swatch talk about how I cast on and how I join that cast on in the round. So I hope you enjoy this. What did I find out from the gauge swatch? Well, before I show you in detail, here's the gauge swatch. You see it's got quite a large amount of the pattern on and quite proud of this. If you look at the back of the gauge swatch, all that stranding has come out very evenly. It's also been washed and blocked and the wool is now very soft. You can't actually see that it's soft. In the video, it is beautifully soft. So what I wanted you to see now is more of those details of what I found out from the gauge swatch. This is the gauge swatch for the Nahani River Vest. You'll remember that I cast on using the basic stranded cast on, and I've cast it off using the basic stranded cast off. Those cast the cast on and cast off are loose so they don't actually control the shape and size of the swatch. I also knit this to imitate knitting in the round. So I knit as usual from left to right, knit stitches all the way across. When I got to the end, I slipped the needle through so that I was ready to start knitting again at this right hand side and stranded the wool across the back loosely so that I had the wool on the correct side to start. I then knit all the way up and this particular swatch is 48 stitches by 48 rows. When I'd finished knitting it, I took it off the needles and cut those strands that had been across the back so that I can tie them up and now I've got something that's flat that I can measure. Now I find it very difficult counting stitches, counting them across in columns or counting the number of rows. So I only wanted to do that once, even though I'm going to be measuring the swatch several times. So to help me do that I've run threads horizontally and vertically using a very thin contrasting colour yarn so that I can see them. That means I know how far it is or how many stitches there are between the two sets of threads which means all I have to do now is measure that distance in order to work out the gauge. 
The first time I measured this was when I had taken it straight off the needles. So I took it off the needles, put these threads in and measured the distance across it and the distance up and down between the threads. And that gave me what was called, is called my off the needles gauge. And for this particular swatch, this gave me 34 stitches to 10 centimetres and 30 rows to 10 centimetres. As I knit the finished art item, I expect that's the gauge that I would get if I used these same needles. Once I'd done that, I then blocked the swatch. So I put it in warm water with a little bit of wool soap mixed in with it for about two hours to let the wool really soak and relax, let the fibres work out how they actually wanted to lie. I then took that out, I squeezed it, taking care not to stretch or strain the gauge, wrapped it in a towel to support it and then wrung the towel out to get as much water as I could out of the swatch. I then laid it on a blocking tile, smoothed it out, pinned it where it wanted to be and left it to dry. When it was dry I measured again between the two sets of threads and this time my gauge was 32 stitches and it stayed at 30 rows. So what does this tell me? Well the first thing it tells me is that my stitch gauge changed. So I got fewer stitches over the 10 centimeter distance after I'd washed the swatch than I did before it. So that means that it's going to be a little bit wider after I've washed the garment than before. But the row gauge has remained the same. The gauge that I want to use to compare against the pattern is the gauge as it is now after blocking, so 32 stitches and 30 rows. I did leave this a few days and came back and measured it again and the gauge has changed slightly. The stitch gauge has remained unchanged at 32 stitches for 10 centimetres, but the row gauge has tightened up very slightly. It's now 32 rows for 10 centimetres rather than 30 rows for 10 centimetres. How does that compare with the pattern? Well, the pattern is asking for 32 stitches along a row in the 10 centimetres. That's exactly what I'm getting. It asks for 34 stitches up and down, or 40, 30, 34 rows over 10 centimetres. I'm actually achieving 32 rows after it's relaxed. So I'm knitting a little bit more loosely than I was before. So I'd expect my finished garment to be the same width as in the pattern, but I would expect it to be slightly longer 
in the pattern. So if you recall, I was looking to make this jumper or this vest slightly larger than the size in the pattern. So actually it is going to be slightly larger. So I need to do a bit of calculation to find out how much larger it's going to be. So what I found out from the gauge swatch is that my gauge is the same stitch gauge as in the pattern, but the row gauge is slightly different, which means that my sweater should come out slightly longer than that in the pattern, which is good, which is what I wanted. But how much bigger? Well, here's how I do the calculations to find out how long that sweater is actually going to turn out to be. So what does this mean for my finished garment? Well, the pattern is going to produce a garment of length 24 and a quarter inches. But if I knit as I knit in my gauge swatch, I'll actually get something that's 25.77 inches. That's about an inch and a half bigger than the designer made in the pattern, which is about this extra length that I was looking to make. This means that I won't need to add that extra motif on the bottom of the knitting. I can just knit according to the pattern and I will get a longer vest than in the original. So that gauge swatch was actually really useful. Of course it let me see what the pattern would look like in reality, although I only knit the gauge swatch in two colours rather than the full range used by the full pattern. But it's also told me that I don't actually need to add any pattern repeats on because I've got a different row gauge than the one the designer got and so my vest is going to be slightly longer. In fact, that slightly longer is exactly the length that I was aiming for. So provided that when I knit the project as a whole, I'm knitting to the same gauge as I knit the gauge swatch, the vest will end up the length that I would like it to be. So that's really good. The gauge swatch was really valuable in confirming that I would get the right width for the vest and the right length, that the pattern would look good in the wool and also the finished fabric had a really good feel to it. That's the gauge swatch. Now I want to talk to you about casting on. The cast on used in the pattern was new to me. The German twisted cast on, sometimes called the old Norwegian cast on, or the twisted knit half hitch cast on. If I tried to show you using the yarn in the project you wouldn't actually be able to see because the yarn is too fine to be able to show up in a video. So in the short section of the video I'm going to show you I'll be using thicker yarn so that you can see what's actually happening in the cast on. I'd like to show you the twisted knit cast on. So you're using one piece of yarn, one end, yeah, so that this is the end of the yarn, is the tail end, and you want three or four times the width of your garment for your tail end, and the other end is the yarn that's attached to your ball, it will become the working yarn for the rest of the garment. I've just tied together two different cuddled yarns here so that it's easier for you to see in the video which is the tail end 
and which is the working yarn. So you start off by putting the tail end over your thumb, working yarn over your forefinger, and holding the ends in your palm with your other fingers. With this very first cast on stitch, you come up underneath the strand, bring it forward in front of the tail end, back past the other side of the tail end through to the middle, bring your needle up, bring it forward, put it through the loop, still working on the tail end, turn it round, so it's now pointing towards the back, put it under the working yarn, and now with the two tip of your needle in that underneath that little cross of the tail end through that little cross there and now you can leave go and pull it again tail end catch it on your thumb needle to the front under the tail end nearest you up the middle over the tail end farthest away from you Keep it going round in the circle, under the working yarn, and back through and under that little cross at the bottom. Forward, under, back, up, through the loop, back, under, and through the loop under the cross. There's an alternative way of doing it that starts off the same, but I find a little bit easier at the end. So again, keep going forward, back, up, through the loop. We're just exactly the same at the moment, under the working yarn. Now, instead of going through that little cross there, you undo that loop by rotating your thumb. So it's now just a plain, straightforward loop that you can just throw over the edge of the needle. So forward, back, through, back, around, undo the cross and loop over your finger, over the needle, like that. So forward, back, forward, through, round the back, undo the loop by turning your thumb around, like that. So just comparing the two again, the first way, forward, round, through the hole, round the back, under the working yarn, and through that little cross bit at the bottom, that one again, under, back, through the hole, under, over, and through the hole beneath the cross, and the second technique, forward, back, through the loop, under, rotate your thumb and drop the loop over the end. Forward, back, through the loop, pick up the working yarn, rotate your thumb and drop the loop over the end. That, wasn't, that, that one slipped off the top of the screen, didn't it? 
like that. So two ways of doing the cast on. Both of them produce the same result. And that is the twisted knit cast on. So that's how I'm going to do the cast on for the final vest. But there is one additional thing I want to do to make myself ready for joining in the round. And that's to place a marker thread while I'm doing the cast on. This marker thread serves two purposes. The first one is to tell me how many stitches I've cast on. Of course, the pattern calls on more than 300 stitches being cast on, and I'm just not that good at counting. The other purpose is so that I can see whether the cast on has wrapped itself round the cable when I come to do the join, so that it will tell me whether the, jo the joint cast on is twisted. Because if I twisted the join, then the final sweater wouldn't actually work out as a sweater. It would work out as an obvious strip, which is not very good. So using this technique of putting in a marker thread solves these two problems. It lets me mark every, in my case, I've chosen 10 stitches. So it can easily count the number of stitches because I can count 10 stitches quite, quite reliably and I can count the number of groups of 10 quite reliably. And it also lets me, when I come to join in the round, see that the cast on hasn't wound itself around the cable. Again, I'll show you this technique using thicker yarns before you see the final version from the project. I'd like to show you how to use a marker thread to help you count your cast on stitches and also to help you avoid twisting your cast on when you join it in the round. I'm using two threads. The first is the working yarn that's going to make the fabric and the second is a contrasting colour that I'm going to use for the marker thread. Normally the marker thread will be thinner and smooth thinner so that it doesn't space out the cast on and smooth so that you can pull it out easily when you're finished with it. But for this demonstration I'm using a thicker thread so that you can see what's happening. So for the cast on you start as normal. So Give yourself enough tail if you're using a long tail type cast on and hold it as you would normally hold it for your cast on. Here's the marker thread and I'm going to hold that in my right hand so it's ready when I need it. So the first thing I'm going to do is cast on nine stitches. So this is the twisted half hitch cast on. One, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Now I'm going to be using the marker thread 
to help me count stitches so I better make sure I really have nine stitches on there. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So I have nine stitches on the, on the needle. Here's my Narcus thread. I slip it to the tail end at the front, the working yarn at the back, and it's now between the end of the needle and the last stitch. So I now cast on my tenth stitch. So I've now got ten stitches on the needle. I move that marker yarn round the needle to the front. And I cast on another nine stitches. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Let's count that up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yes, there are nine stitches. So I run the marker thread loosely across the front of those, round the back of the needle. So it's not a yarn over, it's just slipping it round, keeping it below the needle. And I drew my tenth stitch. And bring the yarn back to the front, round the bottom of the needle. So you can see what's happening. I'm catching the yarn every tenth stitch. And I'll just do one more group. One. Two. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and again, check the nine stitches. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Move the yarn to the back. Do my tenth stitch. Move the yarn to the front. And keep going. I'll just put one more stitch to keep that yarn in place. So, what we have, we've got the marker yarn forming a nice line along the bottom of our cast on edge. So that if we manage to twist it somehow, and doing the join in the round, it would be quite obvious. You'd see the marker, the marker thread quite clearly as it went round the needle. And the other thing is now to count the stitches. All you have to do is count where the marker yarn disappears. So one, two, three, 30 stitches. So that's how to use a marker thread to help you count your stitches in a cast on and to help you avoid twisting your cast on edge when you join it in the round. So that's how I insert the marker yarn into the cast on. So what does it look like for the project? Well it's easy to show you this in a photograph. So 
That was my cast on for the project. Now I need to join that in the round. So it goes around as continuous circular knitting. And there are two things to remember when joining in the round. The first is you don't want to twist that cast on, which is why I put the marker thread in so I can spot if that's happening. But the second one is you find when you, when you do the cast on, you can get a jog where the two ends of the cast on meet in the round. And so I'll show you a technique, one of many, that allows you to remove that jog. So when you look round the, the bottom of the finished item, you can't actually see where that cast on joined. I'll show you how I cast on in the round when I'm working on a piece that has a very large number of stitches. I'll be using a twisted knit half hitch cast on and for this demonstration uh, because I'll not be casting on the large number of stitches I'll also be using the magic loop uh, for the circular knitting. You can see here that I've got three yarns. This top yarn is the working yarn that will go on to form the fabric. The twisted knit half hitch cast on is a member of the long tail family so I need a tail yarn and I'm using a separate ball of yarn of the same type as the, cast, as the working yarn for the tail end. The reason for this is if I'm casting on a very large number of stitches I don't want to run the risk of running out of tail end because I've not left enough room. The third yarn you can see is a marker yarn. For the purpose of the demonstration, this is the same size as the working yarn. I would normally use a thinner yarn and a smooth yarn because it doesn't play any part in the actual fabric. It's just there so that I can see where the edge is and to help me count the stitches. If it's smooth, it's easier to pull out from the finished item. I want to remember which is the working yarn and which is the tail end yarn. So I'll just slip a stitch marker onto the tail end. It doesn't have to be a removable marker because before we start knitting the body of the fabric we'll be snipping off the tail end yarn so the marker will just fall off the end. Normally with a long tail family cast on you'd use a single piece of yarn to form both the working yarn and the tail. So the first step is to make that single piece of yarn. And to do that, I'll leave enough to sew in the ends and make a slip knot just to join those ends together. And I'll then place them on the needle to hold them and so that they don't slither all over the place. Again, the working yarn, uh, the, the marker yarn, I don't need to sew the, in the end of this, but I want, want to stop it moving around. So again, I'll create a slip knot, put it over the end. So that's just held in place 
I don't know where it is. Because I'm using the decrease type of join, I need to create a stitch that I'm going to join with the last cast on stitch. So I just need to create a simple loop so that this, which would be the tail end, a continuous piece of yarn is at, is at the needle end of the loop. So a little loop with the working yarn coming out from behind the loop. I now need to start casting on. So I'm going to cast on and place a marker every tenth stitch. So I'll start my cast on. One, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, eight, nine, and I want to mark every tenth stitch. So I'll just bring the mark around here. Wrap it around the end, placing it behind there. Then I cast on the tenth stitch and bring it to the front. And again, one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, eight, nine, place the marker stitch, ten. So that's ten, twenty stitches cast on. I'll continue until I've cast on sixty four stitches. So there we are, 64 stitches cast on. I'll now snip off this extra marker thread. 
and I'll cut off the tail end thread. So I'm carrying less ends. knot on the end of that to keep it tidy. So there's my 64 stitches. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. 1, 2, 3, 4. I now need to join these in the round to form a circular piece of knitting. So I take the working yarn round to the back. So that needle with the working yarn is pointing from left to right. And the other needle it's also going to need to point from left to right. I'm going to have to use magic loops, so I'm going to need to split this in the middle. So there's that first loop that we had. So 10, 20, 30, and I want to split it at 32 stitches. The reason I want to split it at 32 is because I'm going to continue in rib and so I would prefer to have the join at this end of the magic loop and to the cast on edge as the join when I'm transferring from a purl to a knit stitch. I find my ladders are, are far better if I do it that way around. So we now have stitches on each needle. If this was not the magic loop and I had a shorter cable they would just be going around like that and you need to make sure they're not twisted which is the next use for this marker thread you can see it's there running along the bottom and it's quite visible if I'd managed to twist the stitches around there the marker thread just disappears around the needle so I'm ready to start to join in the round the first thing that I want to do is to take that extra loop and put it onto the needle at the back. Got to, to get to it, I take those two slip knots off and I want it to go in front of. the working yarn. So the working yarn wants to be behind it. And just slip that down to join the other stitches. I can now start knitting. And knitting in rib. So knit. Knit. Give a bit of a tug. That will help tighten up the stitches so you don't get the lathering. Then my pearls. And I'll keep going all the way round until I get to the last four stitches.
I've now reached the end of the first needle on the magic loop. So I'll pull the other needle through. And I need to make sure that I've not twisted this. So put them together. And the marking yarn hasn't twisted over, so that's good. So I'm now continue knitting towards the end. I've now reached the point where I've got four remaining stitches plus that loop on my needle. So I just want to knit, knit, purl, and here's the final stitch and the loop and I want to join those together in a decrease, which because it's a purl stitch is a purl decrease. So now we're ready to start the next row of the knitting. And yet again, we just need to check that we have not twisted the stitches. And so we check that the marker thread is all the way along the bottom. And what we can do is just put the marker thread through there because if you remember we didn't have it going through at the start of the knitting. So I'm putting the stitches onto the needle to receive them and pulling the thread, pulling the cable so that the stitches on the back are now on the cable and we start again. So there we, there we are at the end of the second round, all ready to continue knitting with the rest of the pattern. So that was my cast on and join in the round for a project with a large number of stitches. And that was how I did the cast on. In this podcast I've talked about the gauge swatch that I've used to help me prepare for my project. And I've talked about how I cast on and joined in the round to start off the project. Next time, 
I'll be talking about the corrugated rib, which is the first section of the pattern. Until then, happy knitting!